Yeah, thank you for coming on, Brendan. Um, episode two, rolling with the punches. I thought uh, Brendan Fitzgerald would be a perfect guest. I don't think he needs an introduction, but if you don't know him, UFC commentator, um, host of the Fitz Nation podcast, welcome on. <laughs> yeah, man, thanks. Thanks for plugging in the front. I got to get better at that too. You plug in the front because not everybody listens all the way through. Fitz Nation is the podcast, YouTube, wherever you listen, uh, UFC fighter interviews. Uh, appreciate you, man. Glad to be back on your show. It's a good start um, for the show that we're starting because um, big guest. So I'm excited, but you must have had like a busy weekend with the whole Connor thing. I saw you were doing the bar stool thing with Robbie Fox. So how was yeah. that? How was your whole weekend? How was that? It was good, man. I actually didn't have that busy, busy of a weekend. Um, I did our gambling show, which we do kind of every pay-per-view week and, and some other times too. And then I helped out UFC.com on Wednesday, interviewing a couple of fighters but for the most part, it was less than what it would have normally been for the last two Connor fights in Las Vegas. I had called it on the radio for BBC radio. Mm. Like they sent over uh, a crew from England, obviously heavy interest over there in the British Isles. And uh, so I called it the last two times Cowboy and Habib. But this one, I don't think they traveled a crew. And then, um, you know, there's such a thing as too many cooks in the kitchen. And, I, you know, so it was just like annex, annex the guy and then th there's that crew and then you know, with the event being as high profile as it was, Stephen A. Smith's in town, Max Kellerman's in town, Michael Leaves is in town. And like, you know, so I got to watch it uh, on Saturday night, like a fan, which um, was good. I was, you know, I'm able to take a lot from that too. When, when you're able to watch these huge events as a fan and kind of step back and see it from the outside. So it wasn't the most hectic week, but I did my own bit of hustling to like stay busy, like hooked up with Robbie Fox, got a little barstool bump uh you know what i mean and then like you know just kind of being busy on social media and and uh and doing my thing and then watching the fights on saturday well i don't want to talk too much about the fights because um i know we kind of did that last time but were you surprised at all with the whole connor thing it was that or what, what was i mean well like obviously surprised in the way i went down it's some part of me i guess i didn't think it's easy to say now i thought something weird was going to happen I was hoping something weird wouldn't happen, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and I'm just like, shoot, I hope there's not an eye poke situation tonight because we've seen that, right? And it's just like, what's the difference of it happening with Bilal Muhammad and Leon Edwards? And it, same thing could happen with Connor and Dustin, you know what I mean? And so I just remember hoping, fingers crossed, like most of the day, like, man, I hope we just get a clean result, you know what I mean? And it's this big thing. But, you know, maybe that's kind of foolish to say too, because Dustin won. But now there's there's enough doubt, you know, and then there's enough totally trash needed. talk that's still going. It's not like Masvidal got knocked out by Usman and he's mm -hmm. just like, that's it. That's the end of the rivalry. And this one, it's just like it's going to linger. And uh, the fight game was all about promotion and all about thinking about what possibilities lie ahead. So that's what we have, man. But uh, pretty wild. I mean, you know, after the I don't pick fights going in. And this one was to me a pretty much a coin flip. But if, you know, gun to head, I would have said Dustin. I just, mm -hmm. you know, and just because of the form that he's shown recently. Um, but man, it made it so tough. You knew McGregor is motivated and he landed a lot of shots. You know what I mean? So who knows? I'm like the biggest Connor fan too. Like, I don't know if you see it. I always <laughs> post them. Cause like, mm -hmm. I, it's not, and I've been watching him like not cage warriors Connor, but like, I would say around the time he fought like Dennis Seaver. Like that was when I okay. got into him. Yeah. The rise. Cause like I, I was big on the DC, like John Jones thing. Um, when they were, the first fight happened, um, when they yeah. fought the press conference, that's what got me into MMA. And, um, to see this is like, so sad to me, <laughs> but like he got, he's grasping, right. I, just, I said this on last, you know, I think you can draw a lot of 
comparisons to Conor McGregor and Tiger Woods. I think that's the easiest thing where it's like you have this guy who was highly touted, who delivered, who became a big star, worldwide superstar, and people that didn't like golf all of a sudden liked golf. People that didn't watch sports all of a sudden knew who this guy was. And he had an incredible rise and he set records and he won championships. Then he had like scandal, personal issues, call it whatever you want to call it in both cases. And they've never been the same since. Um, but if Tiger's in contention on a Sunday, there's just going to be higher ratings on TV for that golf tournament, no matter what. And especially if it's like a big event, like it was in the 2019 masters. So I don't think Connor's done. He's got a Nate Diaz trilogy fight. That's hanging out there. There's enough animosity, something still going on, on a Dustin Poirier. And then we, maybe we get a best of five Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. That's like kind of where my mind's going. It's just like, holy smokes. But uh, that's what we should do with Amanda Nunes and Valentina is really mm -hmm. what we should do. But um, that's true, too. You know, but anyways, yeah, there's, you know, we've seen the rise and fall before. And sometimes the fall is, uh, it's kind of like painful to watch in certain ways, but it's, he's young enough where it's not over. You know, we'll no, see I, what's next. I, I agree with you 100%. And I, yeah, I, it's just sad to me, like you said, with the whole. Um, I did like his Instagram. You oh, need people like me. I know. See, that's why I love him, though, because it's like the whole Scarface Godfather. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty well put. Like, for all your eye rolling on what he was doing on Saturday night, it's just like, it's a pretty good one. That's what makes him who he is. Yeah. I, the only thing that rubbed me the wrong way was that whole post fight thing that he did. But other than that, because I was, a, that's not like him. Usually, I mean, he talks a lot of trash, but it's usually like the, um, he, he's always been humble. If you watch like the Nate Diaz clips, I don't know. Did yeah. you, see, you saw, you saw what he, what he was saying at the end of the whole thing when Rogan like sat down, like it, it was like a play. This looked like a scene yeah, from a play. <laughs> I think, um, you know, and some people were a little irked that he was interviewed in that spot. That's, you know yeah, what I mean? That's not in the mindset and not obviously in the, in the best frame of mind. And, and you saw it like, that's a frustrated, he was a frustrated, angry person right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just all of the work and the, and the talk and the effort, say what you want about his trash talk and his antics, like looked pretty good, yeah. right? Looked good on the scale, looked pretty athletic, like looked in great shape, looked motivated once the fight started. So, you know, the, the physical effort of a training camp was there and you just saw somebody who that, that frustration level was on high, man. He was just like just you could hear it you could hear it so you know take it for what it is yeah i agree let's let's jump right in though um so so with this podcast i don't know i explained it to you briefly though when i you did yeah that's why i said yes man it's a little yeah, different i appreciate it and it's because so basically where i'm at in my life it's kind of like i'm trying to figure it out i just graduated school um what are you 23 21 I'm, I'm younger than that whoa there you go <laughs> kid all right so um I, well, I you don't have all the answers yet. That's exactly why we started this. <laughs> <laughs> there you and, go. And um, not only because of what you've done, um, which is tremendous, and I'm, we're going to jump into that too, but a lot of what you post kind of on Instagram and everything, like your LinkedIn, you've got quotes everywhere, your bios, yeah. you know, even today, I thought it was so like ironic. I'll, I'll pull the video up. Um, you dropped that video of like you on the mountain and talking yeah. about motivation and stuff like that which it was a great point that you made. Um, so it's like, you're the perfect person. I felt like also to get on this, to really pick your brain. And that was like the goal with the whole show, kind of like learn from people that have done things and um, their mindsets. And that's really where the idea started. So that's, that's it's, what I go ahead. Yeah. yeah, It's smart, man. I mean, I, you know, I uh, have known some people like you, like some, uh, a guy that I worked with who's in his late 20s now, who was like 23 when I worked at ESPN. And I was just so 
ad, I admired him because of how much he had it together in his young age. Like when I was 21, I was only focused on how many beers I was going to drink this weekend. <laughs> so I'm very happy that you already have this mindset. I think you, it's something for you to be proud of. I mean, seriously, like, you know, very seriously to you, like good job because you know, like a lot of people float through their twenties and it's about partying and it's about having a good time and I'll save money later and I'll focus on my career later. And, and it doesn't have to be about your career, but it just like, if you start improving your life at 21, man, you're gonna, you're gonna do a lot. And, and the way to do that is to take the people that are resources to you, people that you know, well, people like me that you've made connections with and learn from them. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On my, on my podcast and that's the other content that I like to consume, like Lewis Howes. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lewis Howes and his YouTube channel, um, you know, and like guys like David Goggins and Tony Robbins and stuff yeah. like that. It's just like, those guys are so great at what they do, but they've also learned from the great ones along the way. That's what made them who they are. So man, good job. I appreciate that. It means a lot um, coming from you. And um, yeah, so so where did you just, when you, you grew up in Boston, right? Or Massachusetts? Yeah. yeah. But where, like, did you, obviously it's a big sports town, um, being from New York too, I kind of hate you guys a little bit, but, <laughs> but like, um, I'm a fake I, Boston fan now. Like I'm, I'm in Las Vegas for the, you know, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. So, and Tom Brady doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. So I'm Bucks fan. <laughs> uh, I'm going to my, allow my son to be a Raiders fan. Okay. I'm a, you know, I still you love Vegas. The, Are you there now? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I still love the Bruins. Um, you're not an Islanders fan, are you? No, I'm I'm a Rangers fan, but I'm not. Because I was gonna, you know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but I still love the Bruins, but I also like the Golden Knights, like adopting them. So, anyways, that's my, you know, I'm a, I'm a half. I'm a, I'm not John Anik. Okay. Anik is Anik's Anik's a real one. You Dana too, I mean? right? Dana's obviously. Dana. I mean, I don't think Dana like gets in a bad mood if the teams lose, but yeah, Dana's still a a big fan and uh, our boss Zach, who's like our VP of productions, huge Boston fan, all mm-hmm. that. I'm, I'm kind of, they're met, you know, they can start talking about how cool the Raiders are. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. But um, being from like Boston and stuff like that, did you always want to start like sports media? Cause when I was a kid, it's funny. I actually want to do what you were doing. Like I used to play like MLB the show and like mm-hmm. want to commentate over Like I would commentate for and mute the TV and then commentate. Is that something mm-hmm. that you did? Like, or were you playing sports growing up? Like, how did you know you want to go down the path that you went down? Yeah. I, um, I was born in Boston. Then we lived in Pittsburgh from like when I was like one until six. And then we moved back to Massachusetts and then I grew up. So I'm like, you know, Massachusetts. But when I was in Pittsburgh, when I was that young, uh, I wanted to be on sports TV. I just didn't, I loved watching sports on TV, like a lot of kids. And I was always intrigued by the guys who got to come on at the beginning of the show, you know, and, and be the ones talking, be the ones making those great calls, right? The yeah. iconic calls of goals and home runs and whatever. And, uh, you know, just simply ask my dad how those guys get to do that. Cause I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know if I was six or if I was eight or whatever it was, but I mean, was curious enough to be like, how do you get to be that person? And he was just like, Oh, that's their job. You know, that's, that's how they make a living the same way that I have a job. That's their job. And I was just like, well, there you go. That was the, my whole life. The, my whole life was on that. I mean, when I was in grade school, I knew that I wanted to be in, as, in sports broadcasting. When I was high school, I was calling play by play of our basketball team's game, uh, had a sports talk radio show on our high school's radio station. Then, 
you know, went to Ithaca College with the focus on broadcasting. And then I didn't, it switched over the years what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be play by play. Then I wanted to anchor Sports Center. Then I wanted to host a sports talk radio show in Boston. And then, then sure enough, I go to college and I fell into doing highlights for the local news, like sports highlights on like local news affiliates and stuff. Um, but just in the world, you know, and then like, if you're in the world and you just kind of look around and you learn, then you just get to do a bunch of different stuff. I've done a bunch of highlights for local stations. That's kind of like how I got established, but then, uh, was able to go to a sports network and then I'm at ESPNU doing longer form shows. And then now I'm at the UFC doing play-by-play and any number of other things you just kind of add to your skill set. but always, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I feel like you had it a little, I don't want to say lucky, but like you, cause the, the thing with me is like, and a ton of other people, like finding that, like what you want to do, cause it doesn't become a job. Yeah. Like I know you love doing what you do, like, especially the way I listen to you on some Saturday nights, like yeah. you can tell you're really into it. So like, it's, it's awesome that you found like out that passion early from a young age and you were able to be like, this is what I'm doing. There's no questions asked. Right. About it. Yeah. And like, um, I guess I never realized how lucky I was like when I was in high school and college that I was just fully focused. And then like, I kind of stepped back when I'm a junior senior in college and I'm like, cool, this will be the next step. And I've got a, you know, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I graduated from college with a pretty crappy resume tape on VHS and uh, I wasn't on TV in a professional sense until two years after that. You know, like I graduated in 2005 and March of 2000, actually three years is when I was on TV. So three years, March of 2008 is when I was first like on TV. I got a job at a station behind the scenes in 2007, but I just, I was just, there was no option. Like, I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, in the meantime, got a job, paid the bills, like whatever. But um, I had friends that then kind of go through college and then okay, I have a degree in communications. Now what do I do? Or I have a degree in marketing. What does that mean? What do I do then? You know? Um, so I kind of felt lucky, even though it was a struggle to gain traction, because in my opinion, your first job is your toughest job to get, especially when you're trying to be on air somewhere. Um, you know, it's like an entry level job to have a job at high trust, like be a forward facing employee like that. But, uh, you know, I was just always focused on making it happen. And so uh, it's been, it's been good for me. I think, I think a lot of successful people are like that. Like Michael Jordan never put an option that he wasn't going to play basketball, you know, and you hear like different things like that, like Jerry Seinfeld and being a comedian. They're just like, uh, if I, Jerry Seinfeld will say, if I have enough money to buy a loaf of bread each week and a jar of peanut butter, then I can live on that and everything else is gravy and I'll be a comedian, you know? And um, that was how it was with me in this industry. I was just like, I'm going to do this, you know, and this is, this is something I love. And, um, I've had the skill set and the, and the drive to kind of keep going with it and, and make it to the level I've done. Yeah. So you made a, like a great point, um, about that. And the Jerry Seinfeld example, you yourself and um, Michael Jordan, it's like not having that. I'm not plan. comparing myself to <laughs> those guys yet either. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, the way that you guys essentially all viewed it was the same thing. It's like, there is no plan B that I didn't even know. Um, my mom's like a huge fan of Seinfeld and stuff like that, but yeah. I didn't even know that he had said like, um, the whole peanut butter thing, but I think there's that's a great awesome. Netflix. Yeah. There's a great Netflix special. Re they did uh, it recently or it was it's like from a, it's like from a few years ago, it's called Jerry before Seinfeld, but it's mm -hmm. like a stand up set, but it's also like okay. him taking you through his life his early life and kind of how he got started. And like, I've also listened to an interview with Jerry Seinfeld and what he'll say, it was with Howard like Stern. A 
inspiration you or is that or- uh, uh i mean no he's just i mean i'm a big fan of him because he's just the best or- ever right yeah. and uh <laughs> and but like he is very smart and he was on howard stern doing an interview and um Howard was talking about how he was bad on the radio at first, you know, but I just, I, I worked at it so much and I willed myself to get to the top and Jerry corrected him, said it wasn't will that got you to the top. It was because you loved it so much. Says what, like the reason why I am as good at comedy as I am is because I love it this much. And you love the radio because when you love something, then you'll never get tired of it and you'll never run out of energy to do it. And so I've found that to be true in a lot of different things. It's like, Look at what you do. Look at the habits that stick, whether you're, they're your hobbies or your profession or the friends that you hang out with. They're the ones that you really, truly love the most. And so if you apply that to different things, then you can uh, achieve quite a bit. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, again, this is why I was looking forward to having you on because it's like the the little things I figured. I mean, yeah. that, that not having that plan B, like saying that he's going to go after and do it. And he doesn't care how he does it. That's the people, those are the people that make it though, really. Cause they don't, you don't have to, there is no other option. Exactly. There's no, there's no backup. And, 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 and if you gotta like do a job to like make ends meet on the side, it's, you're not, you're going to always have enough energy to do the thing that you love. Right. If you're a comedian and you have to work at, you know, Maybe Dunkin' Donuts or, to yeah. pay your rent or something like that, you're still going to find the energy to stay up late at night to go do an open mic somewhere and get no money for it to get mm-hmm. better, you know? So, um, you know, the broadcasting industry, man, when you get in, you're doing work for free. Uh, if, you know, you're not really doing work for free in a lot of ways because it's like illegal for them to just be like, hey, <laughs> you know, but, um, but like when I was in high school or when I was in college and I was like home for breaks and stuff and like the community access TV was just like, Hey, we're like, we're putting the hockey game on TV and like, normally we'd just show the hockey game and whatever, run it on the local access channel. Do you want it? Like we could plug a microphone in. Do you want to call? It's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Just show up and start talking into a microphone, no matter who's listening. You, you didn't know, know any of the players or anything. You were just no, saying. like my brother was on the team. It was Uh-oh. like when I was in college, <laughs> it was like my high school team. And I was just like, sure, I'm home for the weekend or I'm home for winter break or whatever. Yeah. Like, let me uh, call some play by play. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. yeah that's awesome what was your like so you knew that from a kid uh, as a kid like you were going to do that but what was your yeah. like first big break into like getting that first job that you talked about that's so hard to get that entry level that first position what was that like yeah so uh after college i was sending out my tape and college is tricky when you're making a resume tape it's a lot easier now because there's phones on there's cameras on every phone you look at your microphone is high quality. Like you could shoot yourself a nice resume tape with very little resources or the accessible resources. When I was in college, it was like, okay, you had this camera or like a microphone or whatever, you know, it was just, it was, it was a little bit more limited from a technology standpoint. So my college tape wasn't good. I knew it wasn't as, but you kind of had to share the reps on your college TV station. You know what I mean? Like you can't just anchor every show because eight other people want to do the same thing that I want to do. So, you know, you kind of had to share it. So I knew my college tape wasn't really indicative of my skill level. And as a result, got a few callbacks, few like phone interviews for these small stations out West and um, met you just my, send out a, you just send out like a tape. Is that dude? That yeah. I mean, I was like, right at the, uh, like YouTube was like invented when I was in college. Right. But it wasn't used for like everything, yeah. you know? It's like today, so, yeah. and I was on the cusp also of, you know, 2005, um, you know, so I was on the cusp of like sending out VHS tapes to put in a, for a news director to put in a VCR and then like 
soon, you know, DVDs were already a thing, but, but news stations still were working on VHS tapes. It was like pretty universal that you could send them a tape. If you send them a DVD player, who knows, whatever, then it kind of switched over to DVD. And then, you know, now you can just fire off an email with a link, but, um, but yeah, like I would walk down to the UPS store with a VHS tape and spend like $5 every, and with a printed out resume and cover letter and shipping it off. And who knows if I'll ever hear anything again. Um, and so I guess my break was knew that tape wasn't good. I was living out in Las Vegas because I had met my wife in Las Vegas uh, at the time, like in 2004, you know, that's a whole different story that take a long time. But anyways, I moved out here with her, worked at, uh, she already lived here. She went to UNLV, uh, worked at a sports book on the strip. I'm working at Wynn Sportsbook. I worked at Bally's Sportsbook. Then I worked at the Wynn and still just sending out that same tape. And it got to a point where I was just like, I need to get my foot in the door of the TV business because I'm going to just, I'm going to look back. And I worked with people like this that were 45 years old. They came to Vegas when they were 22. They got an entry-level job. They kind of worked their way up. They got comfortable and they made a living being a craps dealer or working at a sports book or being a server at a restaurant. You can make a nice living. You know, you can make a hundred grand working at a nice steakhouse or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, I, I can't do that. Um, I was like, I need to get my foot in the door with TV to make this happen. Otherwise I'm going to make too much money. I'm going to climb too far and the dream's going to be gone. So I'd started looking for behind the scenes job first in Las Vegas. Couldn't really find anything. It was a much smaller town back then. And I got a behind the scenes job in Phoenix, uh, like rolling teleprompter, printing scripts at a local TV station there. And there I was able to make a new resume tape. Like I was able to connect with the sports anchors that work there. All of a sudden I'm in a newsroom five days a week, you know, kind of seeing how the machine runs. They let me go to like Arizona Cardinals practice. Sometimes they let me go to like Phoenix suns practice sometimes. So now I'm like in the world a little bit. And what I got to do is make a new resume tape learned a bit, you know, and then like on the weekends jump on after the news was over and like shoot a three minute anchor segment, doing some college football highlights or whatever kind of was on the news that day. And uh, once I made that tape, then I got like three call. Then it was a good tape. You know, then, yeah. then I got like, and I had some coaching from the sports banker, like coaching me up a little bit and like, do this a little bit, smile a little bit more, have some fun with it, that sort of thing. And once, once my tape was good and I was, you know, sending out a DVD that was like what I thought was pretty good five to eight minutes of like good stuff. I got like three callbacks within, you know, um, six weeks. And uh, I jumped at the first one, which was a sports director position in Wyoming. So then, you know, I'm off to the races. I'm, I'm on five days a week. I'm the main sports anchor at an NBC affiliate. It's in the, one of the smallest cities in the, in America in terms of a media market, but yeah, but reps, reps. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Did, did like, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that. Do you think it was like the production value too? And like, like you said, the coaching that kind of like got you. It's definitely the coaching. Spot? Yeah. It's definitely the coaching. Like people in New York, just like people in Boston are serious sports fans. Mm -hmm. It's like, if the Yankees like lose seven of eight, they're pissed. <laughs> it's it's not good yeah. right and if the red Sox are crappy it's bad everyone's making fun of them and it'll you might be a more frustrated person right or the patriots aren't doing whatever and i came from that world to where i'm a serious sports fan i want these teams to do well like this is a matter this is a big important thing and like it took my you know the the guy who i'm still friends with today ross um and he was this asian guy who's you know, big smile, like jovial, smiley, 
like sports is the toy department, man. Like people watch sports to have fun. They go to games to have fun. If they lose like big deal, man, it's just like, let's, let's figure out how to make this fun because in a lot of ways, in a lot of media markets outside the Northeast, outside of Philly, Boston, New York, whatever. Okay. They might get a little pissed, but it's not really this citywide thing. It's not really this heavy cynical thing. Like if, if the golden Knights lose, it's, it's a lot of good try guys (laughs) gave it your best, man. Oh man. We're disappointed right along with you, but man, and in, in the Rangers, it's like fire the coach. Right. So um, I remember I would like scowl on my tape. I was just like, the Phoenix Suns have won three of their last four. You know, I just had this look on my face. He's like, dude, why are you so mad? You know, you're on, you're on camera. You're mad. Like, so I'm sitting in a nicer studio, but it's definitely like a whole different ballpark because news directors of local news stations, like sports is sports is it's the toy department. This is, this is where it's supposed to be fun. This is mm-hmm. where, it's lighten it up, come up with a good story. It's drama. Yes. And you want to win the games and whatever, but have fun with it. Yeah. And so that was to me, the biggest difference early on that shift of like, be high energy, you know, be high energy and, and like laugh about it and just have a smile coming on camera. Nobody wants to look at a scowling sports fan. Yeah. Do you think you're, you're um, like that passion? Because I agree with you hundred percent. Like you look at random sports teams, like, I don't want to call anyone out, but like, san jose sharks like I, they're not going to be as into the game as like uh, right. going to a ranger game or like yeah same with like i'll just Seattle say they're Mariners. into the yeah. game yeah they're into the game now that i've lived out west and lived in these different cities that i've gone to like different games so it's going to be easier to get a ticket and it's not going to be like you know eight thousand dollars yeah but um <laughs> you know they're going to be into the game just like look at tampa right like tampa you know but they're going to be into the game but then if it's almost like it washes off a little bit easier yeah it's just like, okay, you know, and some of them, sure, pissed off, what you know, whatever. But yeah, I mean, uh, and maybe it's different in the Northeast now. Like I've been removed no, from it. So it's, I don't the, know. Same it's, it's the same, right? It's anyone the same. In Even if the noise is louder, there's just more yeah. of it now, right? If, if um, especially this year with the Knicks, like if someone, I'm just giving an example, like I, you, you nailed it on the head. If someone has a bad game, they're never hearing the end of it. Like people, exactly. that's, that's why players don't want to come to New York and like Boston and stuff like that. It's. It's not. And I saw here. that when I covered sports in Boston too. It's just like you know, I'm coming there as a kid who grew up in Boston or in and around Boston. Like, oh, the Red Sox! I can't believe I'm covering sports in Boston. I get the I get to like be in the Red Sox locker room, you know. And then you're an adult and you're like, these guys don't care about us. Like from the little kid <laughs> in me, I'm just like, oh my god, look at there's David Ortiz, there's Dustin Pedro- and Ortiz was always a friendly guy, whatever. But sometimes Pedroia would just be like answer the questions you had to and then get out of here and it's just like yeah. we well, don't blame him man like if he goes on a you know if he goes in a slump like everybody's gonna dump on him and it's just like dude i'm trying my best you think i don't expect more out of myself you know yeah. so i've kind of rid myself of of that sports attitude and sports fandom and uh i think it works better to attack it that way on tv you know sports center anchors aren't upset they're not calling it. Stephen a smith has to feign being upset about everything yeah because that's his line of work and i thought i wanted to do that and then i did that like one time and i was just like that's not for me man that's not you yeah 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 i, I think that that it's a great point you made because that adds like a great element to your broadcast you kind of touched on it already but um you, you got that passion so i, I kind of feel that from listening to you even talk about now the ufc but being from boston um, and translates over to whatever you commentate, whether it's something yeah. down the line or even now in the UFC. So um, that's an awesome take on it. When you um, you were at NBC, you said for a while, like in, in Wyoming, uh, you mentioned 
was that what it was? It was it was like an off. Yeah, yeah, it was an NBC affiliate. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then yeah. you did. I know you did. Um, you touched on it now, but you were with the Red Sox for a little bit, right? I saw a couple. Pictures no, I was, I was in Boston for two years. Okay, but did so you I worked work- for the I worked for the Fox affiliate in Boston. I went from Wyoming to South Texas, Rio Grande Valley, South Texas. Okay. I was down there for two years, and then I got a break and moved up to Boston. Uh, worked at a station in Boston for two years. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw a picture with you. I, I thought you were on the field though, or something like that. I thought it was. I was. Oh, okay, I good, was. Good, good, I, I covered. So I was there from 2012 to 2014. The Red Sox won the World Series in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know when you, you know when you're covering it, you're on the field before the game for batting practice. You're on the field after the game, like doing your live shots for the news. And that was after they clinched it, mm-hmm. or they, you know they won the World Series. They won the World Series at Fenway Park. And so then it's just like all right, we just did our TV. We wrapped it up, whatever. Good night. It's midnight, but it's just like, geez, I'm on the field at Fenway park. I'm going to run around the bases. So I did <laughs> some dirt, run around the bases. And it's just like, this is incredible. You know, it was like the busiest month of my whole life. But, uh, I was just like, man, in the end, it was like, sometimes I was just like, I hope they lose. I'm done with this. Really? I lose. Yeah. Like, I hope they lose in the ALCS. This is just getting too much. My bosses in that station were like unreasonable and just like it, it it became a, a chore more than like a joy. You know what um, I mean? Okay. Um, and, uh, but I'm glad I, I was smart enough to step outside myself and be like, you're going to look back on this. And like, if the Red Sox win the world series, you're going to be happy that you were there to cover it yeah. and tell all these stories and stuff like that. So in the end it was good, but yeah, got to be on the field at Fenway. It's awesome. So working with like the affiliates, um, what NBC in Wyoming, you said text for a little bit then, um, yeah. in Massachusetts and Boston, what was like, First of all, how'd you get connected to the UFC? Like, how did that even play out? And then what yeah. was like, honestly, your reaction? Like how, be honest with me, how excited were you when you got that So, quote? So I worked at um, Boston. So my local market was Wyoming, Texas, Boston. Right? Yes. And I thought I was going to be in Boston for life. You know, like we know those sports anchors that are just there for 40 years. Bruce yeah. Beck, right? Bruce Beck has just been in New York forever. And uh, Ithaca College grad, that's how I know who he is. And, um, (laughs) so I just thought I might be there for a long time. And then after another, after a year in, uh, two year, almost two years in, you start looking around like, okay, um, am I, would, would I be satisfied if I stayed here for 30 years doing, you know, spring training in April, uh, opening day for the spring training opening day for like the calendar is very systematic it's very you know patriots training camp every late july okay now the patriots are in the season bruins playoffs felt you know it just became so formulaic to me that i was just like there's got to be something out there out there that i'd like more whether it's working at a all sports network in boston or you know going next level espn was a million miles away when i was in wyoming all of a sudden i'm in boston it's just like well my next step would be espn maybe you know like that now i'm at that level so that's when i got an agent I don't recommend getting an agent too early, but I was in Boston already. I was just like, ESPN doesn't search for anchors on Craigslist, you know, and they don't just like post their job for a sports center anchor to any website. So, um, got an agent. He got me an interview at ESPN, um, for a job at ESPN U, which I ended up getting. I also got an interview at MSG doing, uh, Islanders pregame postgame. Okay. Uh, I didn't get that job, but uh you know just started kind of reaching getting to the network level right the regionals or or the national networks took the job at espnu worked there for three years then got laid off uh in april of 2017 
And that's when the UFC was looking for broadcasters to start Dana White's contender series. Mm -hmm. I knew very little about UFC and MMA because my Saturdays for three years were college sports. Yeah. And before that, Saturdays are big sports days and team sports. So, um, you know, I had watched Conor McGregor crossover fights and Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar and some of those, but I wasn't in the machine. But that wasn't uh, an issue for them. They kind of wanted somebody who had the good nuts and bolts of being a really good broadcaster and then fell in love with the sport right away. I mean, right from the audition, I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is like this is fun. You know, yeah. calling <laughs> fights is fun. And then the contender series is fun. I mean, we're on four years now. July 18th, Matt, four years since I called Sean O'Malley's knockout. I was just going to say series. you um, I, he obviously fought two nights ago. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw you post that picture um, of you two. It's like a before and after. I thought that was awesome. I, I completely, mm -hmm. I didn't realize though that that was your, until that picture was posted, you guys literally made your debuts at the exact same time, but that's, that's awesome. Same night. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how I got to the UFC. I mean, that's the big question. How did you get to the UFC and what was the process? And it was like, I got laid off well-timed. I got laid off right when the UFC was looking to start this new show and they brought me in a bunch of the, uh, along with a bunch of other people to do auditions, to see who might work as a broadcaster for this show. And then um, it was also like, did well enough at that show where they wanted to keep using me because Todd yeah. Grisham was like with glory and Goldie had left the year before and Anna to... had slid up to the main spot. Yeah. So they were looking for a second play-by-play -play voice for the UFC. I had no idea until like maybe halfway through the summer or whatever. I was just like, oh, maybe, maybe there's like the slot for a UFC, you know, and my boss was happy with me. And, you know, uh, sure enough, later that year, started calling UFC fights and haven't stopped. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, it, it's also cool to see because like you kind of learned like – I mean, personally, I, I could not commentate. It's not for me, <laughs> but like, you're I off feel, of that. You're off I, that now. I mean, I, I never like, well, yeah, from when I was a kid, like I can't, yes. I, I just look at it now. I wouldn't be able to do play by play like you, like you are extremely talented and I'll stay mm -hmm. in my lane. I'll, I'll do media outside. I love the podcasting and talking about Here's stuff. the thing. You might do this for 10 years and then you might have a play by play opportunity. I did play by play for the first time as a professional at ESPNU, like just a few months before I left. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was always a studio guy and I never thought I wanted to do play by play. Cause I was like, nah, it's too much travel. I don't want to travel. I want to sleep in my own bed, be with my wife. And then like, now we have, you know, we have a son and I didn't want to spend all that time on the road. And now I love the play by play and I still like the studio stuff too. So, you know what I mean? Like, don't write it off yeah. because I never, I wasn't thinking coming out of college, I'm going to do play by play. And that's yeah. my thing. I knew that I could do it, but, um, you know, you'll, you'll just grow. You'll become more versatile as you master your different things. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I just think like there's a, well, you're not chasing a, it. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's yeah. what I find kind of like, I mean, it's similar to what you ended up doing. Like, I feel like even though I wouldn't want to do play by play, if I got a job offer from anything UFC, it'd be like a dream come true. Cause like, right. I love the UFC, but like you kind of grew into it. You were like, yeah, that's, I think that's awesome. You didn't even expect to work for it. And then to see what the UFC has come over the last, like, especially with the whole COVID thing. Like I joined them at a good time. Man. Yeah. I mean, exactly I joined them. I joined them in 2017 contender series became kind of a hit in the MMA world. Uh, I got the last year of the Fox deal. And then all of a sudden we're on ESPN and I was able to like grow Yeah, with the, like, you know, the UFC right before that contender series, that's when they opened the building, the, mm -hmm. the headquarters, you know, and then like the apex is added on since then. Like I still feel like the new guy in a lot of respects in terms of our commentary team. 
you know, cause like John and Megan and Dom and DC and what, you know, yeah. it's me and Felder that kind of came in at the same, at the same time. time. And now it's, it's four years now. So we're not like new, but also you look at how much has changed since we started and how, you know, how much is established uh, that wasn't before. And it's pretty incredible. We, you know, good timing, man. Yeah. That, it, what is it, what is it like working um, for them? Like with, you mentioned all them, like Megan and like, uh, I would say more so the fighters though, because like, what's it like? I mean, you said exhibition a yeah. lot, especially Felder. You and Felder have a good relationship, right? Right. Oh, I have a good relationship with all of them. I mean, all of them. Um, me and Felder probably have this certain connection because when he came in, when he started broadcasting, he wasn't this big name yet. You know, like when I met Bisping, he's already UFC hall. You know, I had met him before, but already a UFC champion hall of famer mm -hmm. type of deal, you know, same with Cormier and Cruz, like well-established for a decade in the sport, you know, and Felder's obviously was a, a good fighter and, and like known as a tough kind of rising lightweight, but him, him and I broadcasted for the first time the same night. Like that's, that was Paul Felder's first show too, you know, and we're like the same age. So I feel like we've had this connection. Like we've kind of come in at the same time, yeah. but my, my relationship is great with all the fighters that I work with. And, um, you know, just really thankful that they are that nobody's ever made me feel like, Oh, this is the MMA outsider. And we got to <laughs> teach him and whatever. Yeah. Like they've given me credit as somebody who really wanted to learn and want to, and ask the right things. And then I think the other part is, I think they give me the credit of being a really, you know, like a solid broadcaster. Yeah. You know, I was like, they like to work with me because I'm gonna, I'm going to be a good teammate. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to allow them to shine the best they can. I, I understand that, if I'm sitting next to Bisping in DC on a fight broadcast, like my job is to not steal the show. My job is to make them sound as good as possible all night long. Yeah. I think they appreciate that about, you know, what I'm able to provide with them too. And just, you know, guys are guys, man, like friendly guy, like, you know, like don't have a big ego, be a team player, bust the yeah. balls, like take a joke, laugh it off, have some fun. And you know, be that's yourself. What we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely it's cool to hear the rise too of how you um came through all that and ended up working next to like Hall of Famers like that. It's yeah. insane to me. It's um, crazy. I wanted to talk a little bit about um more towards the um mindset um yeah topic uh, of it. Your Instagram bio, that's what I was pulling up right here. It's it literally says it's all about mindset. And um you put the video up today. Um it was kind of just breaking down like the when you win and you lose almost. It's like there's there's it was very positive. You, yeah. I, I want to get the, I don't want to misquote you, but you were really like to paraphrase you, correct me if I'm wrong. It was more so like, there's always a positive in something like even Conor McGregor who had lost this weekend, the positive is now he's going to be even more hungrier and he has a chip on his shoulder and like something to work for. Right. Um, I love that. And then also in your LinkedIn, I, I kind of stalked you a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead, man. That's um, what it's there for. Success. Uh, Jim Rohn, you said uh, you quoted him. Dude, success Jim is not Rohn. something that you pursue. It's something you attract um, by the per. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get it right here. Uh, by the, the person, person that, you, that become. you become. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's such a great quote because Jim Rohn is the OG. Bro. <laughs> He's the OG. He's he passed away. I think like in 2009. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins. Yes. Learned from Jim Rohn. Okay. Jim Rohn is this old, you know, businessman, older guy who then gave motivational speeches or whatever. One of the guys he took under his wing once upon a time was Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Okay. So anyways, Jim Rohn, I was reading a book and um, I think it was called The Compound Effect. I think that was the book I discovered it in. The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is a short read. It's like 120 pages, really good. 
And uh, he mentioned Jim Rohn in there. And so I started kind of looking up things on him. If you type in Jim Rohn on uh, YouTube, you can find like a three and a half hour talk that he gave, you know, and it's like, it might be from 1987 and the video quality is bad, but man, it's gold. It's absolute gold in terms of how do you live your life and, and uh, what you can take from everything and, and what you can take to take responsibility to take excuses out of the equation and just like realize the amount of power that you have to like form the life that you want. Yeah. But um, so that quote came from that book. And it's, if you think about it, I had always thought of, this is why I say it's good that you're 21 because I, I think I found that quote when I was like 33, mm. you know what I mean? Like, um, then I started reading books with regularity, go figure. My mom told me to read books when I was seven <laughs> years old and I didn't do it until I was 32. Yeah. So, uh, but it's just, I always thought coming up the ranks, I thought there was a part of me. I wasn't always this way mindset wise. I wasn't always this collected about the confidence that I have in my ability to achieve things. I was just like, I'm going to do as good as I can. And I'm naturally talented at being a broadcaster, mm -hmm. but you know, like I, I would watch sports center and be like, I'm better than that guy, or I'm, I'm better than that guy at ESPN. And I'm still only in Texas right now. You know what I mean? Or like I'm in Boston and like, I'm, why doesn't nobody know who I am yet? You know, like I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm really, I, I was always confident in my uh, skills, but I almost like framed it in the wrong way. Yeah. I'd be like, when is my break going to come? Mm -hmm. I'd have a lot of that kind of thinking. When is my break going to come? Like, when are people going to get on the train and realize that, that I'm good. And you know, all the way to ESPN, you know, and I never was like this stick in the mud ego guy, but I just, in my head, I was just like, this is what it takes. Love it enough to keep doing it. But I, there was something missing, you know, and that quote just like broke down a wall of just like, well, why, why do you uh, deserve the big break? Like, what are you doing to me talking to myself? Yeah. What are you doing to get the big breaks. Like, mm -hmm. are you look at the successful people out there? Like, are you doing all the things that they're doing? Like what could make you better? And it's like, Oh, could take care of myself a little bit better. Could be a bit healthier. Like could establish better habits, could do a lot more homework for the shows and the broadcast that I had, yeah. you know, some, like I was, I feel like I was naturally talented enough where I could kind of sleepwalk through some halftime shows because it's like, it was, you know, welcome into halftime, blah, blah, blah. This is the lead. You set up your analyst. Okay. Let's look at highlights. Duke, North Carolina tonight. Okay. Michigan state's playing Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden you're sending it back. And I wasn't going next level on my preparation for that kind of stuff. I would just be like, yeah, I can do a Duke highlight. No big deal. It's just like, okay, but can you do it with an extra piece of information that you read about? Like put in an hour for this highlight or, you know, put in 25 minutes to read the latest articles on Duke and North Carolina basketball. So that when you have this highlight, that's one minute long, you'll have something that's extra instead of just describing the highlights. And I just started have like piece by piece putting into these little steps and not wondering about when am I going to get what's out there and focus on what habits are going to make me better. And then sure enough, the success comes, finds you, man, to the point where, you know, the business model changes enough at ESPN where I get laid off and I was not worried about it at all. You know, there are some e uneasy conversations and nights when you let your mind run like, Oh, what am I going to do next? And what am I going to get a job? But like ask anybody at ESPN, when I was going in for the last day, they were like, 
shocked at the mindset that I had. I'm smiling. I'm, you know, the worst part about it was I was going to miss everybody that I worked with. Um, that was that I wasn't going to see them really any anymore. Yeah. But in terms of like my prospects, my future, I was I was very mentally comp mentally stable at that point to be like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Success. I'll attract success. I'll have no problem with that. Sure enough, like four days later, I get a email from my boss at the UFC saying that they want to um, bring me out for an audition, you know, and then like later that summer, I got an audition at NHL network um, up in New Jersey. Really? Oh, and it was oh, yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And so it just happened. And like, it's not like it's always smooth, you know, it's all, it's all always, it's not like there aren't hard moments along the way, but big picture because of that quote, really, I was just like, I got to keep working on myself because when the opportunity comes and an opportunity will come, then I'll be there to be good for it. So that's, yeah, that's where that comes from. Yeah. The, you, there's a lot <laughs> I want to take. Yes. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, first I, I thought you made a great point. Um, because it's kind of something that I'm trying to figure out now too. Like you said, I don't want to call it an ego, but you said it was kind of like a in your head. Cause I'll think this, I'll be honest with you. And I feel like a lot of people like it's, it, I don't, I don't want to call it jealousy or hate, but like you look at people and whether or not you're better than them or not, you kind of like take so much energy to that. And you're like, why am I not in this position rather yeah, than that was like doing a lot said, of that? Yeah. Like you said, buckling down and kind of just like, what can I do more? Like even for, I'll give a, for instance now, like um, I feel like I came well prepared for the interview with you, but it's like to make myself better. Like I could have written maybe more questions or I could have maybe studied more on you. You know what I'm saying? Like there's always right, right. stuff in every situation. There's you have to be okay that you can't do everything either. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we're having a good conversation. More questions isn't going to make it a better conversation. Mm -hmm. Just be locked in. Like when I prepare for my podcast to like talk to fighters, I mean, I'll show you like, you know, like I had, I had Michael Kies on and I wrote like, just like some thoughts, just like here, bullet point, bullet point. <laughs> and then we'll talk and then we like leave half of this out. So don't think it's about just like, I need 38 questions because yeah. 24 questions isn't good. You know what I mean? No, no, I hear you. But it's more so like there's always something like more that you could do. Like, that's why I hate when people make like excuses. Like, uh, it's actually Joe. I listen to Joe Rogan all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> but because he makes such great points sometimes. Like, I love I don't listen to his full shows because they're so long. And oh, yeah. You know, I just don't have a long commute. But yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan, he, he's got gold, too, man. They put the clips on YouTube like that. They put with epic music and stuff like that. You ever watch some of those that are like eight and a half minutes? Yeah, they're fantastic. They're amazing. He he made a great point at, um about like so it was just about working out though. But uh, someone yeah. was like, "I'm too tired to go home from work." But he's like, and it's such a little detail. He's like, if you could walk to the fridge and make yourself food, then you could go for a walk around the block a couple of times. And like, no one's telling you to go out there and go for an eight mile run and then do a Dustin Poirier type workout. Yeah. And, but like, dude, there's always more that you could do. So like, it's awesome to hear you say that too. Cause stop, let's stop putting energy on the, Oh, I could do this better instead of like, what can we do more? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. You hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, there's always <laughs> something that you can do. I, I, and I like, I've even had a big breakthrough in the last two weeks uh, in terms of mindset. Like, it's never going to stop in terms of how you grow and how you think. It's not mm -hmm. like I have it all figured out. Um, you'll just keep having these breakthroughs. But that first, you know, when I really started reading books and I was just drawn into reading those personal the books about personal development. Yeah. And I kind of got caught on that train. And those are like 70 to 80 percent of the types of books that I read. And uh, I just think it puts me in a good place 
and with different concepts sprinkled in. It's not like they're all the same. You know, one book's about habits. One book is about, uh, you, you know, like brain chemistry. Like I'm reading a book right now about brain chemistry and yeah. uh, how, our, <laughs> how our bodies work. And it's just, that's what's led to me having like another, you know, huge breakthrough. That's awesome to hear. And you're still growing too, which is insane. Even at like the level that you've, all this stuff that well, you've accomplished. So that's the point of my video on Instagram today, still growing is because the, the point of that, that got me thinking about that was uh, there's always, there's all, there's always something else. And it's not to say never enjoy what you've done. Like I'm not, you know, Dustin Poirier doesn't have to put in a two workout day today and grind. Yeah. But his next fight's going to be for a title. And if he loses that fight, you think he's going to be happy that he beat Conor McGregor in a trilogy? Yeah, no, If not he never all. realizes the undisputed belt when he's going to be a minus 180, minus 200 favorite, something like that. So the point of that being Dustin Poirier won on Saturday night in front of the world. Great. Now he's fighting for a title. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor lost, broke his leg in front of the world. Great. Now what's next? He wants to get it back. And same with Sean O'Malley fight of the night bonus, all this other stuff. But man, there's a lot of people saying, dude, you fought no one. You're at minus 850 or minus 900, minus 1,000 on the odds against a newcomer who's fought at flyweight and you couldn't finish him until 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna, he's got a lot to prove. And then the newcomer who, you know, showed heart and toughness and his Twitter following went from like 2,000 people, to like 15,000 people. Shout out like him too. 12 yeah. hours, Chris Moutinho. Great, he did. He deserves a lot of respect. But his record in the UFC is 0-1. Does he want to still do that? Get a lot of known as the guy who has a lot of toughness and heart, but can't win. No, he wants to win. So it's always about what you can do to keep going in in the direction that you want to go in, whether you stumbled and fell or whether you just achieved, you know, if you sail a boat to the horizon and you get to where this rock was on the horizon and you're in the middle of the Pacific ocean, you keep looking out, there's another horizon to sail to, you know, and then you get to land and then there's a mountain to climb. And then you see out across the mountain where else you haven't been. And you just keep going, man. I got to Boston and I was like, cool. All right, why don't I go to ESPN now? You know, then I got laid off from ESPN. And I was just like, what's next? My career's not over. I'm like 30, 35, 36. I want to do this until I'm 70 at yeah. least, you know? So there's always what's next. That's awesome. I'm going to have to clip that. Uh, there we go, bro. <laughs> See, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you like it, man. I've, that, that, and that's another book that I read early. It was called The Practicing Mind. There's always a horizon to chase. Yeah. Whenever you sail to the horizon, it's, it's not like you get to the end of the world and fall off. Uh-huh. I mean, some people would say that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely, it's awesome to hear you talk about that too. Um, this might be a, a open-ended question, but I'm really curious because for me, um, I have a lot, like the reason I started this whole thing and um, at the place that I'm at in my life, I have a lot of stuff motivating me. Like I, I, I work at a job right now. Um, it's not something I want to do for the rest of my life, but that motivates me. Or like I've been through uh, relationships with friends, women, you know, like everything yeah. that motivates me. Um, trying to get out of the situation that I'm in now. Like it's not all about money, but it's like trying to live in a better situation. Like that's taking the next me. step. Yeah. yeah. You're 21. You're, I mean, you shouldn't have it figured out at 21. So w- it's, it's, yeah, no, you're right. But what's something that, um, what mo- like, was there something, I know it's an open-ended question, but was there something that like motivated you or like at, at, you've always kept in the back of your mind to like stay focused? Um, even though I feel like your story is unique because you, you love what you did, which is like right. the right way to go about it. So you didn't really have that chip on your shoulder, but like, did you? Was yeah. There something that motivated I mean, you? 
don't be afraid of open-ended questions, man. Those are the best kind. <laughs> um, so yeah, like what motivated me, I guess, or what steered me, like what kept me on track Yeah, like, or like, did I have tough moments? Yeah. Like exactly. Were there any tough moments? Right. So like, I'm I working want to get into it, but like, so yeah. I didn't want to, you know, it wasn't in my plans to graduate college and then work at Bally's casino in Las Vegas mm -hmm. and then work at Wynn Sportsbook and send out my resume tape and have nobody call me back for two years and then get a job behind the scenes for a year until I could get a job on camera in a place that's thousands of miles away where I'm covering high school rodeos. That wasn't <laughs> in my plans. Yeah. And that was, that's all real and making very little money in Wyoming. And my friends are either at home, you know, out of college and working their entry level jobs, but guess what? They still live in Boston. Right. Or, or my, you know, another best friend of mine lived in San Diego He moved out to San Diego. And it's just like, I'm in Wyoming where it snows from September to May. How old are you at this time? What, what this Wyoming uh, thing? Wyoming, I was 25. Wow. 20, 24 to like 26 and a half, or, mm -hmm. you know, almost 27. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and like, you know, I remember thinking when I go to work at Wynn and just be like, I had no prospects, right? I'm like, in the end, everything worked out and I was confident that I was going to get into the sports broadcasting world. But I mean, there were like weeks and months where I'm just like, I don't know what's next. I'm sending out this resume tape that I have, but who knows if it's going to click. And meanwhile, I'm in a kind of a uniform of working at a casino and I'm going to work at a sports book and take bets from rich people that want to bet on NFL games, you know, like um, there's a certain fun part about the job in that it was still connected to sports and, you know, we're in the sports book. So mm -hmm. I got experience in the sports betting world, which was kind of good to have, especially now that gambling is such a big thing to know it. But yeah, man, I would kind of curse my life a lot when I was walking into like punch in for the day. And it's just like, I punch into the clock two minutes late. And there's like, Brandon, you're late, you know? And I'm just like, what the hell is like, I'm two minutes late. No, not a big deal. But like in certain jobs, it is a big deal. Like, it's like, they, they want it there. Then I started working on TV and it's just like, okay, come in at 315. It's like, if you're rolling at 307, if you're rolling at 322, it's not a big deal. And by the way, you're behind the scenes. So you're wearing jeans and an untucked golf shirt. You know what I mean? I was just like, this is the life for me. Um, so yeah, man, I think it's just, you got to deal with that. If you're not dealing with it, then it's too easy. You know, I mean, it's, if it's too, like, if it's too easy, you're not going to go get it. There needs to be, there needs to be, Forrest Griffin told me, he's just like, everybody should be broke and, you know, life just sucks for a while. It's like, that's just, that's part of it. And yeah. it is. And it's easy to say now for me, making a good living, having a job that I love, family settled in a city that I like to live in. It's easy for me to say. It's tough to sit there at 21, 22 and not exactly have a plan and not know what's going to work out and not know what friends are coming with you or what, you know, girlfriend's going to last. It sucks. I mean, you know, there's, there's part of it that sucks, but just know that it's all preparing you for what's on the other side and it'll make you more grateful for when you do find success. Yeah. Um, I a hundred percent agree with you. When you, when you walked into that um, casino, I just want you to touch more on that a little bit, clocking in two minutes, like getting yelled at and, um, I think it's also, it helped you a little bit that you were dealing with sports. I think that's actually a pretty good starter yeah. job, but 
did you know, like, because obviously you, you told me since you were younger, like you wanted to do broadcasting in your mind, were you like, I cannot wait to like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, I mean, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Like when, when I was done working in Las Vegas, it was like excited that my career in the industry that I wanted to be in was starting, Yeah, you know, but I, like, I'm, I still have a friend who I worked with um, at the, you know, and like overall, I still, I look back on it with more fond memories of just like, oh, oh, this crew that I worked with and whatever. And by the way, now they're watching me on those big screens in the sports book. How cool is that? Yeah, that is like awesome. I'm there when I'm 25 or 23 at the time or whatever it was like, oh, what do you want to do? And I was, you know, and part of me was, I was like a jerk. Like I wasn't like huge ego. I feel like I was a good worker. I was definitely a good worker and a good person to have like I got I turned down a supervisor job I was just like I don't want to be a supervisor because then it's going to be a raise and I'm going to be in a suit and I'm going to feel successful and then I'm going to go down that road and I'm going to keep climbing in Las Vegas like you can do well in Las Vegas like I said before so I said no to being a supervisor I just wanted to keep doing what I was doing and be ready to get out when it when when a different opportunity came but I would always tell people I'm just doing this until I get my real job and like had no wherewithal to think that I'm talking with people that are in their thirties, in their forties, in their fifties. And this is a real job. Yeah. This is their career. And I was almost like dumping on it indirectly. I had no idea what I was saying. I had no idea that that's the vibe Reality. that I was giving off. You know, <laughs> it was like this condescending 23 year old says he's going to be in sports broadcasting. He's only doing this until he gets his real job. And I was like, every time I said that, I was like justifying to myself that like, I am going to use my degree in broadcasting. I am going to make it worth it that I said, I'm going to do sports broadcasting and journalism and all that other stuff. I'm not going to be a person that falls by the wayside and is, you know, 35, 45 years old and wonders like, I could have been good at that. What if I did that? What if I chased that? Yeah. And that was almost like me telling myself that by telling everybody else that. And I also had this like complex of just like, I want people to know that I'm not just this casino employee, you know? And when you grow up to be an adult and kind of realize that from the outside looking in, I'm just like, oh, what a, what a little snot. I, was. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't believe I said that. It's really something that I'm not proud of, but overall, like yeah. they still liked me. You know what I mean? But it was just like, it's one of those things It's part of growing up and um, not kind of understanding the full picture. Yeah, I get that. But I wouldn't even hold your head high on that. You're one of the more humble people though that I know. To be yeah, like, that's the thing. I've always been like a humble, friendly person to work with, good teammate, that sort of thing. And I was that there, like, you know, I've always been a friendly guy. And, and I think if I said it in the wrong way, then I wouldn't have won a lot of friends. But yeah. at the same time, I still said it. And I still kind of had this, you know, they gave me a card when I went away. Yeah. People signed it. So, All right, so it was <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think that like telling yourself kind of in a way, like by reiterating it to them, like, this isn't what I'm, I know you didn't mean it intentionally, but like, that's kind of like assuring yourself, like, okay, stay on the, the focus stay here. on the path. Yep. How does it feel now looking back at it from that casino and like proving yourself, right? Like that you knew you were going to do that. Like how good does that feel ultimately? Like, I mean, how good does the success feel? Yeah. I mean, it feels great. You know, it feels great. I think it's, uh, it's always a tricky question. I've asked fighters this too, is just like, are you proud of what you built? You know, if you've had a reasonable level of success and it's just like, it's always like, 
you know, yeah, but, um, you know, like I, I don't have the belt yet type of thing, you know, and it's not like I have this specific thing that I want to accomplish. But again, like I said, in the last two weeks, I've had this breakthrough of just like, there's so much that's still up to me um, in terms of like what I want, what I want to be, like what I want to be like finding my voice. Like I put that, that, that Instagram video that I put up today was weird to do. Yeah. You know, I, I had had thoughts for a while of just like, you know, cause our crew in the UFC is we're all good friends in the truck and, you know, busting balls and joking around. And that's one of the best part of the jobs too, is the friendships that I have at the UFC, like the, the amount of close friends that I've been able to make in these last four years. But, um, you know, I've also been like kind of sitting back and figuring out who I want to be, like who I, who I want my persona to be. And I, I feel like I wasn't putting out there publicly what I like truly am. Like, I always took it as just it's like, well, one day I hope to give a talk somewhere to a high school like Tony Robbins or, you know, motivational speech or, or write a book um, and, and, or have a podcast that like inspires people and kind of is bigger than just about me commenting on something or just a straight kind of book report style interview. Yeah. And um, I haven't kind of been afraid to like lean into it because I was just, I was almost like, putting up roadblocks in my own head of just like, well, why, what do, why do people want to hear from me? Mm. What do I have to say? People, Rogan's a big, Rogan's a big name. He can say it. He can do it. Why, why would I do it? And I put that limitation on myself. And so recently I've just kind of smashed those excuses and just been like, if, if that's what you want to do, then you just have to start doing it. So it feels weird to like talk into a camera and give this like motivation. But I've had these thoughts in the past of like, these different things of turn on your camera, like it, something that resonated with you that a fighter said that relates to this book that you're reading. That is something that you could like sum up in 48 seconds that could live on Instagram. That's what Gary Vaynerchuk does. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk is yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. people like that. It's just like, yeah, they have incredible success doing that. And it's also like, it, it fills them up in terms of a passion that they enjoy doing and helping others in a certain way. Like it seems ego on one hand of like, listen to me and what I'm going to tell you to do. But I think I've come around to the other side of it, of just like, put it out there, man. Like in a way you're helping people. And as long as you don't get too big on yourself of just like, you know, everybody listen to me and read what I'm right. You know, as long as you don't come at it from a condescending viewpoint, then it's helpful. And, um, so that's kind of like where I'm at now is just like being comfortable with putting that out there. And like, I'm still, I've changed a lot. I'm still in my head, getting rid of the cynical Boston sports fan who's looking to drink a bunch of beers on the weekend and make fun of their teams and make fun of these athletes on TV. And then I've switched over to, instead of just chalking everything up to a cliche that our athletes say that we really like, it's like taking something from it. That was another thing from that video today. Take something from everything. Yeah. Whether it's a show that, whether it's a fictional show, whether it's a documentary, whether it's a book that you're reading, whether it's a soundbite from Dominic Cruz after he wins or loses a fight, Michael Chandler is perfect for that. Um, take something from everything and see how you can apply it to your own life so that you can level up. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. And, uh, good enough response on this like mindset Monday little video that I posted that I'll probably make it a regular thing on Mondays going forward. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, everyone's got to do it into that. <laughs> um, but 
Um, I got two or three more questions. What? Sure. Uh, obviously, you're you're doing tremendous. Um, but especially the way you think, do you still have like a, a more? I mean, obviously, you have more goals. Like you just yeah. said, you're gonna put out more videos on Monday. You're gonna try to right. get on that path and show who you are. Is there a specific goal that you have in mind that you're trying to accomplish right now? Is there something that you're going after? I mean, the podcast, I feel like the podcast that I have has found its footing to the point, in addition to the UFC work, right? UFC work is number one, yes. calling the shows as best I can. But, and it's like, you know, the goals have to be, it would be unreasonable of me to be like, my goal is to call a pay-per-view. Right. I'm not going to be because it's just like, well, I'm I'm in my role. John's in his role. I like John. Like we have a great commentary team. Uh, my boss is like me. Like it's all good. So my my goal with the UFC work, which is number one, is to just I got a lot of getting better to do. I just I can just get better in small ways, just find different ways to research more efficiently, just stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of ambiguous. But in terms of other goals is to kind of put everything together like my podcast i feel like is is um it's a full idea now it's not it started as just let me just interview fighters who knows what happens and then now it's morphed into like let me interview fighters and also pick their brains on what's allowed them to achieve and their mindsets and what's made them good because that's kind of a hole in the mma podcast landscape a lot of people interview fighters they don't interview them like like i do about what people can learn like I'll ask a fighter, what do you think everybody can do to achieve? And then somebody like you out there listening might be like, wow, I really took something from that. And I'll tell you what, I'm learning a lot. You know, like Dom Cruz is like dropping these knowledge bombs in yeah. terms of like mindset and all this stuff. And I, genius I, guy, by the way, it's, I mean, it's, it's benefited my life since I had him on my podcast because of, you know, some of the things that he said yeah. and Gerald Merchard had like, so it's good. And so I think people like it. So to combine that, the podcast being a little bit more successful, uh, my YouTube channel, like just growing in that, like clipping it off in, in different creative ways. And then also tying it into my social media. Like, you know, like a month ago, I was just like, ah, I'm done with social media. I don't really, I felt lost. I didn't know what to do because I didn't really want to put out this stuff. I was almost treating it like a personal, like, account that was like had the private click on you know what i mean like i yeah. i would like oh picture of my kid and this is what we're doing today and i'm playing piano and here's a book that i read and whatever there was no like method to it and i'm just like i have all of the connections and all of the opportunities and the platform to like help have this help my career grow the following put out what I really want to put out, which is like, I'm not doing it because I don't like the personal development stuff and the motivational stuff, put it out there, put out a ton of stuff on MMA for the fans. Like think about who you can serve instead of saying like, I'm at the apple orchard with my son today, like put out like a behind the scenes video at the apex with something that like people like you, like fans want to see, they yeah. want to know what's going on and find different creative ways to do that. And so like, now I just feel this uh, kind of energy and this game plan of like, cool, that's going to grow uh, with it. My name will grow with it. More people will understand. I have a podcast. If they like it, great. If they don't, great. Still connect with these fighters. The more respect I have with the fighters, my, my, my uh, profile raises and just kind of like immerse yourself in the world and stop putting up these barriers in your brain as to why 
you have to wait for some later time in your career when you have a bigger platform and then you can really do it. It's like, just start it now. Yeah. That's so. actually crazy that you said that. Cause it's literally the entire theme of the show that I'm starting. Yeah. Right. It's kind start of like it now. Taking the mindset and start. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Stuff now. Um, I'll get you out of here on this last one. Um, I, and again, open-ended, but advice um, from someone in my position, from someone who, who knows, maybe 35, anyone who's mm-hmm. listening to this, um, what I would say more so targeted towards a younger audience, but like trying to figure right. it all out. What advice would you kind of give um, to anyone? And in, in yeah, position? so this has been, <clears throat> this has been a tough question for me to answer over the, I've been asked by young broadcasters or whatever, like, what's your advice? What should I do next? So like, first thing is find what you can do next and do it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. People are like, I want to be a UFC commentator. What can I do? It's like, <laughs> dude, you can't worry about being a UFC commentator. Yeah. What are you, you know, you're 22, you got a broadcasting degree. You live in rural Minnesota, go find a, go find a single a baseball team and just see if you can like do hold a microphone to, you know what? Like, so the first simple piece of advice, like the actionable step is to see what you can do next on your goal. Your goal might be, your goal might be the next, to be the next Colin Cowherd, right? But what can you do next? Like, what can you do tomorrow to just take the tiniest step towards that and do it and get creative with it? Maybe it takes brainstorming for an hour to think about what you could do next. Or maybe it takes like reading a book that will give you an idea of what to do next, but just focus on the next step and not the, not what you want to do, you know, which is going to take maybe years. But the other thing is too, is this book on the brain that I'm reading, man, is powerful. It's like, we have the ability, we do not give our brains the credit that they have for like controlling our bodies and our lives in a certain way. I'll just give you the name of the book. It's called Evolve Your Brain by Joe Dispenza. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, it's a heavy book. It's a lot of brain chemistry, but it comes through on the other side is like, basically it's just like, we are only limited by what our frontal lobe of our brain can imagine for our lives to be, mm-hmm. you know? And he has all these conferences and stuff. And my sister-in-law just went there and it's just, it's very powerful. And the, the biggest thing that smashed the barriers that I've talked about over the last two weeks that I advise anybody to do is that people, a lot of people don't realize that our bodies get addicted to things, right? In the same way that like, a drug addiction happens, you need that hit. Our bodies get addicted to how we feel about things and how we felt about things for years. Yeah. And when I realized, like I've talked about putting up barriers and making excuses as to why I can't get to a certain level, my body, like the cells in my body were addicted to feeling like almost like that victim mentality of like making excuses, being defensive, finding reasons why I would not be able to like, like thinking in my head that oh, my podcast isn't really a big deal. It only has this many downloads and man, maybe I could get some good guests or, but you know, like I, I almost, I, I didn't feel right unless I was making those excuses. That's what felt normal to me. It's why people overeat. They say they want to lose the weight, but their body is so addicted to feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And people that are depressed, they outwardly say, I don't want to be depressed. I just want to feel happy. But when, but, but unless they break, out of that and kind of consciously acknowledge that their body is used to feeling depression, then it's tough for you to smash that. So if you step out and kind of acknowledge like what feels right, like I said, it felt wrong to post that video today. 
Like it felt wrong to hit send on that. Get out of your like comfort zone kind of. Get out of your comfort zone. Understand that like when you're out of your comfort zone is like, if it's in the direction of where you want to go, that's what you got to do. And then you just got to, like, it'll be easier to make my next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was, it was, it was just weird to even talk at the camera like that and post it. But now I gotten, I've gotten good feedback from it and comments yeah. like Calvin Cater and Shane Burgos, Michael Chandler, like there's like awesome, like well said, whatever. And then that gives me the push to keep going. Yeah. But the old me would have been like, I'm not one of those motivational guys. Why does anybody want to hear from me? They want to hear yeah. from Rogan. They want to hear from Gary Vaynerchuk. They want to hear from bigger guys in the world, whatever. And it's just like, no, man, if this is what you want to do, then just go ahead and do it. And so uh, that would be my advice is to like, like if there are things that you repeatedly do that are holding you back, understand that that's okay and it's normal and that you can break that cycle and you can get beyond it. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to check out that book because like I was actually having the convo too today that like the brain, like you said, you kind of like program it to um, you got it's all mental. I mean, once you break out of that. So yeah, if if you like, obviously, if you got a lot of bad stuff going on in your life, like and you're you're becoming depressed and upset, like, it's natural, you're going to be upset. But there comes a point when you just keep you can't deal with it. And then it's kind of like self endured where you're just like, yeah, like, excuse my language, but like shitty stuff might happen to me. Right. But like, if I don't look at it shitty, then like I'll have a better day. So if you view it as shitty stuff always happens to me, shitty stuff is going to keep happening to you. You know what I mean? Well said. But if you view it as like, <laughs> if you view it as just like, that was frustrating, I'm battling through it. It's, it's going to not seem as bad and you'll be able to get on the other side of it a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. How do you, how do you stay so humble? <laughs> and then I'll get you out of here. How do you? Um, uh ego is the enemy man uh ryan holiday wrote that book i think i i, I read a big book. reader i yeah i mean i started being a reader when i had a kid because i was like well i'm doing a, i'm not going out as much <laughs> you know it's a lot more quiet time at home but i know i like i truly love those personal development books man and i've been able to kind of steer around and find these different ones and every book leads to like more books that i want to read and and thoughts that i want to explore but i think like in addition to having a big platform and having all these opportunities is like the realization of just like, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you think the UFC is slowing down? Wow. You know, yeah. like, and, and I don't mean that in an ungrateful way. I, know. I just mean that the world's got to keep going. Yeah. So I can be, I don't view it as like, I'm important. So listen to what I have to say. I view it as like, I want to get things out there that I would want to hear. Like when I read something that really resonates with me or when Dominic Cruz tells me something that really resonates and helps me, then I, I'm like, that helped me, man, that's awesome. And then I picture the person that like you or like anybody else that I know that I could reach that might like to hear something that's on my mind that might help them. Yeah. And instead of, instead of being like, I'm important. Listen to me because I know a lot, which is how I used to think of it, which is what held me back from doing it. Mm-hmm. I've instead been like, let me serve whoever's, whoever is nice enough to follow me on Instagram or to, to, you know, say that they like my podcast or to call themselves a fan of mine. You know, like it's humbling to be like, I have fans. I never thought that. Yeah. It's the goal. You're doing your job well, if you have it, but okay. So I want to benefit them. You know what I mean? And so I think that's, if you, if you kind of figure out whatever you've done well and turn it into, how can you help 
some some somebody else and it can also lead to your success it's not like i don't want to be successful it's not like i don't want nice things um but ultimately you get it by giving it that's awesome. You've, you've had like 30 clips. I'm going to have to pull from this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, Brendan, again, for coming on. Um, absolute honor to have you seriously yeah. share all that. And um, are you're doing the fight this Saturday with Islam or no? I'm not doing this Saturday. I'm doing the return of TJ Dillashaw. Oh, re- they, uh, Corey Sanhagen, right? Is that what yeah. they're doing? Yeah. yeah. I'm awesome. doing those last two in July. So we've got another gambling show this week. I'll stay busy. Uh, I'm going to be all over Instagram, man. Okay. I feel like I, uh, I broke the code. Like I, I didn't break the code, but I'm just like, oh, I'm figuring out how to do it. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, behind the scenes, this funny idea for a meme, do it. Motivational video, do it. Use the hashtag. I, you know, I'm firing on all cylinders. So you'll, uh, I'll never be too far. Yeah. Everyone, please check him out on Instagram. I- I'll let you plug it. And, um, Fitz nation podcast, please. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Go to your Fitz nation podcast. YouTube channel is Brendan Fitzgerald. Just my name. I'll put some behind the scenes stuff on there too. I'm going to like kind of grow that, but it's an, it's a, it's an army a team of one right now. So I just do that whenever I can. And uh, yeah, at Brendan Fitz TV on all social media channels. Yeah, everyone. Uh, thank you again, Brendan, for coming on and um, everyone, please check out the podcast and until next time. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs>